Well, what's going on 412 family? It's M.A. And we are back again diving into the truths of Scripture and unpacking these foundational theological thoughts and themes. And this week we're going to be diving into repentance. Um, If we know from last week, we talked about how God uh, had a redemption plan for mankind to bring us back into relationship with him because Adam and Eve ultimately sinned against God. um, And so they became sinners. They got kicked out of the garden. They, They lost intimate relationship with God, but God sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross, um, and that was the redemption plan, and and we know from Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that if we confess Jesus as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved, and so that is God's redemption plan, but there is a theological theme that we have to tackle, and that is repentance. You know, the apostle Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he was talking to the people and he says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and so we have to ask this question okay what is repent or what is repentance what is Peter talking about here well if we look up the definition the actual definition of repent is to feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin And so when it comes to our relationship with God, we know that we are sinners and we sin every single day. And so for us to repent, it literally means for us to turn from our sin, turn from the path that we are going down and turn and start following God in his direction, his path. But we have a remorse. We have a regret for us going against God's holy plan for our lives. So here's a few questions to start us off with. And parents, these are questions you can talk with your students about around the dinner table um, to help spark conversation. But really, the first question that comes to my mind is, what sins require repentance? Like, do all sins require repentance? Every sin I commit in my entire life, do I have to repent from? Do I have to repent from them individually? Um, The second question that comes to mind right off the surface level is, does repentance affect my salvation? Does it affect our salvation? If I don't repent of one little sin, do I do I lose my salvation? Do I have to re-get saved? Um, we're going to tackle that question. And then also the third question, which is very important, that, that goes right into what Peter was saying to the people. But this is question number three, how do we repent? And so let's tackle question number one right off the bat. What sins require repentance? Well, we have to kind of break this down a little bit because there are different types of sins, okay? There are sins of commission, and then there are sins of omission. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about those and give you a better clarity of what that means, okay? So sins of commission are sins that we commit through our actions, like stealing, lying, murder, cheating. Um, these are sins that we commit outwardly and we act upon them. But there are also sins that we are guilty of that fly under the radar that are sins of commission as well, like anger, jealousy, selfishness, and bitterness. See, these are all sins that we commit. They are sins of commission. But there's a second category out there, and that is the sins of omission. And and really, we have to repent from these as well. But sins of omission are when we ignore and disobey God's direct commandment of us. So the best example of this, because it varies from people to people, I I can't tell you what God is commanding you directly. Um, So the best way I can explain this is, is going into the story of Jonah and the whale. If you know anything about Jonah, God gave Jonah direct command to go to Nineveh to preach 
the, the gospel and to preach against its wickedness. So we see in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amadi, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because it is wickedness has come up before me. But, in verse 3, it says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. For he went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port. And after praying the, paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So what we see here is Jonah actually performing a, a sin of omission. God told him to go do it, and he just said, No, you know what? I'm, I'm going to refuse to do that. I'm omitting that from my life. I'm not going to go forward and do that. And so this is, this is a sin. Now, if you go further into the story of Jonah, you realize that God got a hold of Jonah. He went and he got on a boat and a, the Lord caused a great sea to come to the point where all the sailors thought they were going to die. And they were like, pray to your gods, you know, whoever God you have and, and who commit, whose God is angry with us. And Jonah finally came forward and said, you know what? This is all my fault. I disobeyed God. Throw me into the sea to kill me. And this, you know, the storm will cease. And so the sailors said, all right, they throw him into the sea. Jonah essentially is saying, you know, I'm going to lose my life uh, because of my disobedience. But in God's grace and God's sovereignty, God sent a big fish or as we say is a whale to come swallow up Jonah. And so that and we know that eventually Jonah did go to Nineveh and preach the gospel. But this is a great example of God giving Jonah a personal and, and, uh, and direct command. And Jonah saying, no, I'm not going to do that. So that is a sin of omission where we are called to go do something specifically by God. And we don't, we don't go through it. Now, even though God has given us individual calls on our lives, even though he tells us, hey, this is what I want you to do and how you want to do it in specific situations. Maybe you're at the grocery store and you feel God tugging on you to go witness and share the gospel with someone. You're like, Lord, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to walk out, go to my car. Um, that is a sin of omission. Um, there's also another thing that we need to talk about is God has given us all. If we are saved and we are all, uh, and, and we are all called to be his children, if we, have re if we are redeemed and, and saved by his grace, then it says in Matthew 28, 18 through 19, it said, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if you're saved, you have been directly commanded by God to go tell others about him and what he did for us on the cross. And so by us sitting here and saying, oh, I'm saved, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but not sharing our faith with others, we are actually committing a sin of omission because we are not doing what God directly told us to do. So that is a command directly from God's word that covers every single one of us. But other times, just like Jonah, God gives us individual moments in our lives where he tells us to go do something. I know in my life, I have examples of that. In Chelsea's life, she has examples of that. Chelsea actually shared her testimony of that uh, in youth. In youth. Uh, but for me personally, one of my experiences is, uh, I actually, I did obey in this situation, but it was so clear to me. I was actually in a hospital uh, ministering to a fellow coworker where his mom was on life support. And they had they had come to the conclusion that they were gonna, they were gonna pull his mom off of life support. So he asked if I would go pray over his mom and for his family uh, in the moments before. And so I agreed to do it. And I went down to the room. And as I was in the room, one of the charge nurses has walked in 
and God in that moment said, you're here for her. You need to pray for that nurse. So I got done praying for the family and immediately turned and left the room and went to go find that nurse. Didn't know who she was, didn't know anything about her, but just knew God had asked me to pray over her and I prayed over her uh, and she got emotional. Um, and to this day, I don't know if this lady was a Christian. I don't know if she became a Christian. I don't know uh, anything beyond God just asked me to go pray for her. And clearly in that moment, uh, there was, uh, you know, life change. The Holy Spirit was there and all that. So that was a moment that I felt like God gave me a command. But there's been other moments in my life, like examples. I said the grocery store, where I've been in the grocery store, and God has placed someone in my life. And I was like, Lord, I don't have time for this day. I got other things I got to do. Or I just don't want to do it. I don't want to get in a long conversation. I don't know this individual. Um, and so in those moments, I did disobey. And that is a sin. That is a sin of omission. And so... We have to break down those sins of, you know, what does repentance look like and, and what do we need to repent of? And the answer to that is yes, we repent of everything that we can. But that brings us to the next question. Does our repentance affect our salvation or lack there of repentance? See, what we have to understand is the ultimate repentance is confessing that we are a sinner and that because we have sinned, we deserve death. But through the grace of God and by the death of Jesus on the cross, we can be saved by surrendering our life to the authority and leadership of Jesus and making him Lord of our life. And so in Romans 10 verse 9, I've already quoted it, it says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So once we make this confession, that is the ultimate form of repentance. That is us saying, Lord, I am a sinner and I, I was born a sinner. I will continue to be a sinner until you completely uh, sanctify me through death and I'm and I'm with you. But I am, I am repenting of my sin nature in me and I'm turning toward you for salvation. So once we make that confession, Scripture tells us that we are saved. And Scripture also tells us that we cannot lose our salvation. So I want you to hear that there's hope today because there are sins in our life we commit that we may not even know or be aware of that we committed. And so therefore, our salvation is not, if we have truly surrendered our life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we do need to repent. We'll get into that here in a minute. But if we forget to repent of a little sin here or a little sin there, it doesn't affect our salvation. And there's scriptures to back that up. I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want you to hear scripture. So in John 10, 29, Jesus is saying, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. So if the Father has given us to Jesus and we are saved, he says that no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. We are saved forever. No one or nothing can take us out of the hand of Jesus. Paul, the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, 38 through 39, he says, For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor anything present, nor future, or any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul is hitting this head on, like, look, if you are saved, you are saved. You are in, in the uh, hand of God, and His grace covers you. And then also one of my favorite scriptures is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. It says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So here's, here, here's the thing. If we are part of the kingdom of God, if we are saved and redeemed, and we are adopted into the family of God, 
Hebrews 12, 28 says we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That means that it cannot be taken apart. It cannot be removed from. It cannot be lessened. It can only be increased. And man, what an amazing promise that is. Now, God wants us to have a relationship with him in a healthy relationship. So we just talked about the ultimate form of repentance where we accept that we are a sinner. We, we accept that uh, we deserve death, hell, and the grave, but through the gift of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, we can be saved. That is the ultimate form of repentance. But God also wants to have a personal and intimate, healthy relationship with us. So in order for us to have a great relationship, we need to constantly apologize for our mistakes, or we need to constantly repent of the sins that we are committing every single day. So if you take my wife Chelsea and I, for instance, in marriage, I am constantly, as the husband, I am constantly apologizing to Chelsea for my actions, my attitude, or failure to do something she asked of me. And I'm constantly and con continually repenting to her. I'm constantly saying, Chelsea, I'm so sorry for my attitude today. Chelsea, I'm sorry I didn't unload the dishwasher today. And so I'm constantly coming to her. And the reason I do it is because I want to have a healthy relationship with my wife. Now, if I fail to apologize for a thing here or a thing there, that does not immediately make us unmarried. And the same thing goes with our relationship with Christ. If we are saved and we are in the hand of God and God's grace covers us, if we don't repent of a sin that maybe we don't even know we committed, that doesn't make us unsaved. We are in relationship. We made, we made a commitment or God made a commitment to us to never leave us or forsake us. And the same goes for Chelsea and I. So we made a commitment and vow in our marriage. We said, we're to stay together through good and bad, sickness and health till death do us part. And I'm here to tell you, we meant that. Divorce is not an option in the Dozier household. And the same goes for God and his relationship with us. If we have repented and given our life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then do we, are we required to repent of every little sin uh, that we, we, we commit. No, we're not required because we're covered by grace. But if we want to have a great, vibrant, and healthy relationship with the creator of the universe, the one that called, called us his, the one that loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us, then yes, we need to come back to him. And as the, as the actual definition says, we need to feel or express sincere regret or remorse about our wrongdoing or our sin against him. And so that is the second form of repentance where we are constantly coming to the throne room of God saying, Lord, I'm not worthy. I am a sinner. I messed up and I am sorry. And ultimately, we will get into this terminology down the road, but that leads to sanctification, which is a big theological term, which means that God is taking us from who we are as sin-filled creatures, and he is slowly molding us more and more into the image of Christ. And by us coming to him and repenting of sins that we know we've committed, that is how sanctification comes to be. But here's the truth. We are not perfect and we never will be. So there will constantly be a battle in our lives every day that we fight on this. We're going to sin. We need to repent. We're going to sin. We're going to repent. We will never be perfect. We will never be sinless until we stand before the throne room of God and he has completely sanctified us. The Apostle Paul approaches this in his own life. Think about this. This is the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever seen. He wrote three quarters of the New Testament, and he is the reason why here in America today, we have the gospel. We have the good news is because of the Apostle Paul. 
And in his own life, he says this in Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. He says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not know what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer who, who, who do it, but sin that dwells, dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, and that that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I want to do, it is no longer who I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So Paul is basically, he's conflicted in himself. He's saying, look, I want to do good, but I can't carry it out. I'm, I, I want to do good. I, I don't want to sin, but I continue to sin. I, I, I don't know what it is. But here's the thing he says. We've, he surrendered his life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so he says, now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And what Paul is saying is, is that he is a new creation in Christ. And so the sin that lives in him, that is part of the sanctification process we'll, we'll, we'll come into. Is Jesus, God is literally molding us and removing this sin out of our life. And so until we become completely sanctified in him, we will continue to sin on a daily basis. And so, yes, repentance is something that we need to do every day and literally probably every breath that we take because we are just sinful creatures. But at the end of the day, if we are redeemed, if we are saved, the lack of repentance does not affect our salvation, but it does affect our relationship with God and how well we walk with him and how healthy of a relationship we have them have with him and so we want to have the most healthy relationship we possibly can have so what we need to understand is there are sins that we have committed in our life that we don't even know or realize we committed them and this is where the grace of god comes in and what is amazing to me is romans 5 8 the apostle paul says for god shows his love for us that while we were still sinners christ died for us see christ knew we were a sinner and he didn't wait for us to clean up our act. He didn't wait for us to get to a special line in the sand that says, all right, if you can just work your way to here, then I'll die for you. You know, it says he knew who we were. He knew how destitute we were. He knows how black-hearted and sinful we are. And in all that, he died for us right where we were in the muck and the mire, in the, the most you know, destitute place we could be. Christ died for us. So, Jesus' blood shed on the cross covers all of our sins that we know of and those that we don't even know of. We just have to confess him as Lord of, of our lives and we will be saved. So the question today is, have you repented? Have you made the ultimate repentance of saying Jesus is Lord of your life? And then if you have done that, are you having a healthy relationship with the Lord and constantly coming to him and saying, Lord, I messed up. And I, I feel and express sincere regret or remorse about my wrongdoing and my sin. And I'm coming to you to apologize and ask for your forgiveness because I love you. Because you love me. You died for me. And I want to have a healthy relationship with you. So that is repentance in a nutshell. Man, there's so much more to be talked about. But parents... As you sit around with your students around the table or you're riding in the car with them or you're doing things on the weekends, talk about these questions. What sins require repentance? Does repentance affect our salvation? And how do we actually come to repent to the Lord? Y'all have a great week. Stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing on. 
and we'll talk next week. See y'all.